0: You're listening to the Adventurous Weirdos Podcast by WatcherDM. Learn more at WatcherDM.com or come join our Patreon at Patreon.com slash WatcherDM. Stay weird. Uh, We are now recording. We're live. Uh, The Adventurous Weirdos Podcast. Austin home.
1: Yo. (laughs) And I'm Gabriel Gabriel Hernandez. Hernandez.
0: That's what they call me. Uh, And yeah, this week we are doing... Our podcast. We're recording it remotely, uh as mm. Austin is out of town and I am in my mole hole man cave pit <laughs> for a breeding season. On the
1: mountains <laughs> of the mole hole.
0: After <laughs> the mountain of the mole hole. How's uh How's Apex treating you? Uh,
1: you know, it's cold, and there's like six people in the whole town because ski season hasn't started.
0: They uh, call this mud so, season, right? Nice. Mud, mud season well, you is. Know, the-
1: yeah, it's kind of mud and snow season right now. We're we're between seasons. We can't decide if we want to be a shitty brown sludge or freezing white uh, crust.
0: My, uh, my sister lives in Colorado and in, in Breckenridge in Summit County. And they have kind of, they have like, you know, there's summer tourists, there's winter tourists, and then there's what they call mud season, which is everybody leaves except for those who, you know, actually want to stick it out. Um, but yeah it's it, it's yeah. hard to get anything like the grocery stores you can't get services like nobody's there to no plumbers there's, there's no mechanics
1: yeah that's exactly what it's like here there's literally there's not a store your closest store is there's a weed shop on native land about a 30 minute drive away
0: well that's not bad at least that's you can get some weed
1: <laughs> yeah right yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't want to see this halfling without his weed man
1: Yeah, nice little (laughs) necessities.
0: Totally. Well, uh, speaking of necessities, uh, we necessarily finally released the thing we've been talking about releasing for... We released two things. We we released two things. But I want to talk about the one thing first. Warp crawl. Hotly debated topic. Do you release your AI product that uh, slays? Totally slaps. But... um, is is made using AI tools from before that yeah. was a big deal, <clears throat> and uh, we did. We could talk. About-
1: yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> we could talk all day about the AI art thing, uh, and you know, honestly, I feel like there's a lot more interesting things about Warp Crawl. I hope. Yes. Uh, than the art in it. Uh, that's the writer's perspective. I always hope the writings were more, more interesting than the art. Well, somebody. But, I mean, I. Just-
0: As someone who played it pretty extensively, I feel like that game really... You know, I just played... Today, I just played, like, a little solo quest crawl. Just I had a crazy idea about how to run it. Where, like... I'll show you. Uh, Instead of, like, laying out the cards, you just have your deck, and then you just lay out what you've kind of explored on on the hex map. So you don't have to have the hex-shaped cards. You can kind of... Also, like... I don't have to, I just keep the the cards I've drawn in one pile and the ones I haven't in another. It's kind of like an interesting way of doing a solo. Anyway. That is interesting. uh, Yeah, so I was was playing this earlier, and I was thinking about how much more stuff is in Warp Crawl, despite the game having
1: effectively identical bones. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I uh, I do. I think it's interesting because, thinking about this earlier today, I think it really has a lot to do with the genre. Like uh, for fantasy and to a lesser extent, post-apocalyptic fantasy, which we did with Waste Crawl. Waste crawl. Waste crawl. Uh, you know, things are very simple. There's good, there's bad. You do this, you do that. Uh, and I think what we found when we um, started doing Warp Crawl is that you know roles became very important the idea that like you know you're you have to politically justify your expensive space program became kind of a core component yeah. uh the, the added interest in materialism became a huge thing and most of all i think uh the idea of the captain's log uh sort of became a huge impetus for filling out i mean like you say it's the same bones but warp crawl got warp crawl got uh, a little fat as it went on i think mostly because it was living a sedentary writer lifestyle it really it wants you to write down those captain's logs because to me that's a big part of what starship fiction is all about you know yeah yeah and i think like that's uh, a it's
0: an interesting take on you know i i think you can get a similar effect if you turn the lens to quest crawl and treat it like You're a bard writing down the legend of, you know, Jacob in this case, or 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 whatever. I was it got me thinking about kind of the other ways to kind of canonalize. Because I feel like one of the cool, one of the probably the coolest things about Warp Crawl and then Quest Crawl, I think the digital version that we had made and and played in Roll Twenty was kind of the artifact that gets left over. Is kind of this really interesting amalgam of ideas. Uh, stitched together with this
1: kind of narrative through line. Well, one of the things I think is really cool about Warpcrawl is that in a lot of ways it's a marriage between what I find interesting about solo RPGs mm-hmm. and what I find interesting about table RPGs because, or I don't know what you want to call them, group RPGs, regular RPGs. You solo nerds. <laughs> um, I uh, I really like solo RPGs because you do get those artifacts right. Like it is there is that creative writing component to it. And I love looking back at our early warp crawl playtests and just the insane logs we came up with, <laughs> like the four or five of us who were playing. Like that's fucking awesome. But I also don't like being alone with my own thoughts. <laughs> so I don't know solo RPG are necessarily for me. So I like that. I like that it was a way to write and you know to write a story, not just to tell a story, but to write a story to make an artifact with your friends i think is something that uh yeah more more solo rpgs should be for three to five players i think ironically
0: <laughs> right and i yeah, think that's right? kind of like the, well and that's like the other part of it is it's not really a solo rpg and i think warp crawl definitely is in fact it's it's like three to two, two to five three to five players
1: you could hack it easily enough i think but yeah i think we it we settled could. on we debated adding a whole bunch of like you know, if two players, then type of rules, but ultimately we decided, you know, if anybody wants to play that way, they'll figure it out.
0: Right. But I think the most important aspect of that is that it's GMless, right? Which yes. is like, it's, it's kind of implied in a solo RPG that it's GMless less that, that you're the GM and the player. Uh, whereas Warp Crawl and Quest Crawl and, and Waste Crawl and kind of all the crawlers that we've built... They don't really ever say, like, you are the GM and the player. We kind of say, like, don't worry about the GM. Like, adjudication is everybody's responsibility. You're responsible for your own turn tracking and resource management and, you know, resolution tracking. All that stuff is, is yours on your turn, whatever. Keeping your logs, that's part of your your responsibility which i think in a lot of ways flies in the face of kind of how rpgs are traditionally played and i think maybe become as a surprise to people who have historically been players in rpgs that all of a sudden you're playing an rpg that kind of has an expectation of you that you know you just don't have in 5e with D&D Beyond, you barely have to keep track of anything, you know. And if you don't, it's kind of on the DM for not, you know, managing your crap for you. And that's interesting. So, like, I don't know. Like, that was definitely not the way it was when I was growing up with RPGs. Like, you were expected to kind of manage your own stuff and, you know, yeah. draw your own maps. And you yeah. kept your own ammunition. Yeah. and You it's knew... Serious. Yeah, you knew how much stuff you had, you knew how much oil you had, you know, and you were you were responsible for managing that, and if you flubbed it, that was, like, bad. <laughs> you didn't, you know, yeah. if you were ever audited, which is kind of a silly idea, but I think it is a thing, like, you can be audited in D&D somehow, which is so fucking weird, like, no yeah. other game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no other game. What do you want to do for fun today? I'm going to get audited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it's interesting i think there's something at play there where when you set one person up as like the rules master you know like uh then you kind of end up in a situation where when you're looking at your character sheet and you realize you know oh my my torch should have burnt out an hour ago or you know i i've been out of rations for five days or whatever right it kind of puts you in a position where you're like i'm getting away with something i haven't been caught like yeah you know whereas i think just saying like okay like we're all grown adults playing a game please keep track of your own provisions kind of like, you know it's it's funny just how when you treat people like children, I think they very instinctively act that way <laughs> you know, when, you like, when you treat them like adults, they're very like oh yeah, yeah I could do math Like I'll keep my little yeah. tally. I'll do the, the basics um, yeah, right uh, I really love too in Warp Crawl I, of all of the um, you know, like when I'm Writing and stuff, I feel like it always there's just ends up with a lot of asides, and then I try and claw them back, so it's a readable, usable document. Mm-hmm. But I do really like that we got to keep the little. This is set in the future. Uh, there's no more hierarchy. Work together as adults of common purpose and goodwill. <laughs> like you know, well, I- that was a
0: that was a really unique decision that we had to make because we kind of decided early on that we didn't want any one player to play the role of captain as that would kind of imply like you're the GM, you're the adjudicator, you're the person's yeah. kind of handling it. And I really like the idea that like nobody is the captain, that everybody's kind of responsible to the ship. And, you know, it's like almost like you have an AI captain who's like, yeah, I know what the mission is. I'm going to go do this stuff. And it's all of you maintaining the ship, the operations of the ship that make sure that, you know, the mission get done and stuff. Um, yeah. although I mean, ultimately I think in the way that the game is played, I think like each, doesn't each person decide where, where the ship is moving, like in the next round that it's played around yeah. the table. <clears throat> so there's kind of like a little bit of that, like, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It, it definitely happened, has happened in Westcrawl as well, where like one person's idea of where to go next does not drive with another person's idea of where to go next and the surprise you know head east detour yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprise detour to the you know to the good lands um i think it's a i think it's a fun and interesting thing that is, again yet again is missing from you, you almost never hit that in in a standard role playing game because you kind of have the conversation and the power never really transfers around the table, right? Like, ultimately, the party's gonna go kind of where the loudest person wants it to go, and then, and then if people don't like that, it's like, well, you know, suck it up, versus in Quest crawling and the Crawlers, like, if somebody wants to go somewhere, the party's going there, if it's their turn, and if that's not on everybody's agenda, sorry, that's adventuring. Like, you know, everybody's kind of got their their moment to really drive the boat. I think that's yeah. such a cool, uh, it, it creates like an, an interesting level of drama that I don't think I've ever really seen anywhere else. Cause you, can, you can't stay mad about it. You kind of just live with it, but it does create this kind of horse trading for like, yeah. well, if we go here and then we go there and sometimes it all just pats out and it's like, okay, everybody, you know, we're heading, we're, we're heading the way we want to head. But anyway, I th- yeah, I always thought that was a really cool well,
1: ad thing. It's, it's- like what usually happens in those games is you all have a discussion about what you want to achieve, and then like the you know the individual execution, you know people might have different ideas about how you're getting there. But mm-hmm. because you're all going to the same place, nobody's ever going to be like, ah, well, you know, you drove us in the wrong. I mean, every once in a while, you wander into a black hole, and people will be like, Tyler, what are you doing? You're driving us like, you're <laughs> ruin us on the shores of this title event. But you know, I that's all part of it too, right?
0: Yeah, no, and I think it's um, I think that shit's great. Like I just love the idea yeah. that oh no, you you've pulled us into a gravity well. D- the party has to come together and deal with it. Right? So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna react to the the adventure that has arisen. And like is there a bunch of room there for blame Well, you can't jettison your you know, you can't yeah, can't right. space your dude. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Um but we've also played <laughs> I think another interesting thing about this is that like because the rules for quest crawl, warp crawl, waste crawl are so kind of like they're simple at their heart. There's a lot of variants that we've played just while playtesting because it was like I was convenient to try out a bunch of different things like, oh, let's we've played a competitive quest crawl where we had like multiple parties going around and doing stuff.
1: I'm a big fan of splitting the party in quest crawl. I, you know, the, the rules don't explicitly support it, but there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't do it. So I, I right. you know, if you're playing quest crawl. There, all it I'm says is,
0: that, I think all it says is that, uh, people moving together share a party token. and like, if you want to not be in that party, there's nothing saying there can't be more than one party token on the board. For sure. Yeah. Uh, such an interesting thing. Um, all right. Yeah. So where were we, we were talking about, uh warp crawl yeah and we've gone about how it's, it's headless, so there's no hierarchy, but there's roles. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's unique. We hadn't done that before, and character creation kind of has a different flavor to it with the insertion of roles, not the least of which is that the role you're in defines the logs that you enter, right? It's the jobs that you do and then, and then the logs that you enter. What do you think? Like, do you think that list is, like, complete? Do you think there's room on that list?
1: Or, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was very, like, you know, as, as we realized there would be more, you know, kind of, like, bookkeeping That normally a gm would handle it became more necessary to distribute that among those you know six roles or whatever uh so i think if you were going to expand the rules of the game you'd probably want some more stuff there but i kind of like the way it works right now where it's like you know if you're uh i'm trying to think of um like you know like certain roles have more talking to do so if you're not a big fan of like you don't want to be taking the notes during the game Uh, there are roles that are very much like, you know, you just, you just have to check the box every turn. Like that's your job is to check that box.
0: Right. right. Um, like, uh, security versus counselor.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. right? Like if you're playing counselor, you're doing a lot of, you know, every time you meet a peaceful planet, you're going to be writing it down. Right. Right, So it's definitely something for somebody who, you know, doesn't mind doing a bit of typing during the game. Right. Uh, whereas if you're playing with kids, you might want to give them easier roles like engineer, for example, or, you know, something like that.
0: Totally. And while well, I think what was interesting about this too, is that the decision to do this again, kind of came out of the statefulness of the world. Like the warp cluster itself is this collection of systems or whatever but like the fact that a system could be friendly or hostile but also sits on this axis of you know it's it's a primitive world it's a you know pure world or it's an advanced world or it's a super intelligence whatever uh that you kind of have this other axis of it's something that i think would port nicely again over to quest crawl if you really wanted to play like the kingdom's kind of level of quest crawl you could yeah. get there uh you know i think it's a really interesting aspect
1: to add to this to this type of game right. the song of ice and fire uh, quest crawl you'll want the uh the warp crawl faction rules for sure
0: <laughs> right exactly and i think i mean I, I think warp quest crawl already has good faction kind of systems at its heart right the fa- the factions as kings and that exists in warp crawl as well although the factions are kind of different in a sense like they're more like peer factions and there's an assumed faction that your ship is, is part of. I wonder if there's even space there for the fiction of what your faction comes from. I think there's a certain, there's a certain amount of like, Oh, it's some Terran earth, you know, earth-based system that you're coming from, but that would be a fun narrative pen to wiggle around and go okay well what if you know what if it's alien uh what if we're aliens <laughs> you know and, and yeah. we're the ones traveling through or what if we're ai you know when we're some you know systems you know uh, clean cleanser or something i've just been watching the expanse and oh, yeah. so yeah so it's like right on my mind like what you know how does this fit with all this other stuff um uh, another thing i love those books. the books yeah uh, I have um, not read any of the books. <laughs> I but <laughs> I need to get the RPG. Apparently there's a there's a TTRPG oh, okay. for the Expanse. Um James Semple uh wrote one of the ex- like some expansion uh book for it with with a friend of his. Um That's cool. Yeah, but uh, I wanted to talk real quickly about the tech. It's like there's kind of a
1: yeah.
0: So like in the predecessor in quest crawl coming up with the basic item list and the magic item list. You can tell like kind of looking at it that the world as designed and the items as designed fit super nicely together. They're very, they're very snug. Um, I don't feel like that's necessarily the case in, in warp crawl. It it feels like there's a little bit more like, Fiction came first, and then we kind of got it to work with the world building and I kind of like that like I actually think that makes it like a little bit more fitting uh one of my one of my favorite things is the decoy having a decoy ship that you can kind of jettison uh to let the hostile aliens think that you've been destroyed and and get away and like that's something that I don't think I would have immediately thought of as like given the rules of the game how it's structured i wouldn't have come to that as like oh well, this is something but i think as a fiction having again just watched expanse you see them do this crap all the time right where it's like oh okay well you know we jettison some part of our shuttle looks like debris how powerful are your scanners how how much data can you collect it Two hundred thousand kilometers
1: uh, yeah i to to answer you, or to respond to what you're saying um that the first episode of Firefly, when Wash jettisons that little decoy, cry baby, cry. That's one of my all time favorite science fiction scenes. Those little scrappy scavengers have a, a coffee can with a radio in it. They shoot out to distract the gigantic ship that could crush them. Totally. That's fucking totally. awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For people, if people are watching this and they haven't played Warp Crawl, uh, one of the things that kind of makes it different than Quest Crawl and Waste Crawl, and Quest Crawl and Waste Crawl, uh, your supplies, your provisions. you're consuming one every turn because you are a person who needs to eat, and if you get injured, you might consume more. Whereas in warp crawl, your amount of energy you're draining, your amount of supply you're draining, is purely dependent on the amount of tech you have. And I really, really like that we did that because it sets up a situation where um, how to say this, like if you you can be loaded for combat, like you can be loaded for bear. If you're not going very far, but if you're exploring the distant reaches of the warp cluster, you have to travel a little bit lighter and that kind of inherently increases the difficulty as you move outwards, which, you know, not to be too self-congratulatory, but like, I thought that was a really, really, I I love those things in these games, those tidy little simple things that have complicating effects that kind of play out naturally. It,
0: It feels like a force of nature. It's like a force yeah. of the natural order of things that like if you're going to go traveling out there, you've got to travel light enough to to get there and back on the fuel supply that you have. It's just like how when water freezes, ice rises yeah. to the top and floats on water and then melts, you know, to the heat. because It's closer to the, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Good design. Good design. Um, and, uh, then, yeah. and then going into the special tech so well i guess so i was just talking about the low, like the basic tech stuff that we've got so this has got this great set of basic tech hard light shields obvious but really cool scanners Classic. artificial crewmate which fantastic <laughs> opportunity uh there gravity I, engine.
1: one of my favorite playtest memories of that is your guys your four or i guess our guys i don't know as I, I wasn't gming i was playing yeah we get so sort of wrapped up in the gm language but like oh god our poor what was his name disposable dan or something we had just one automated crew man and i think it got to it was like dan the fourth was like with us by the end of the because <laughs> like, we had kept we had, it's like yeah we had kind of like there were a couple situations where it's like i'm sorry dan but it's either it's you or us <laughs> you
0: yeah know, I, I think he went down then. he went down with the ship right as we escape potted a few times, yeah. and like each time, Dan was kind of like, "Well, it's, he's just part of the ship. Like he goes down with the ship." I, I love that idea too, though. That we're kind of like, "You're the artificial crewmate. You're part of the technology here." Sorry, Doctor. <laughs> you know, um,
1: I enjoy philosophizing on this barren moon.
0: <laughs> totally. Um, but then, okay, so we've got the gravity engine. This is actually one that I think is really unique to the game. And and how we wrote it, but it's pretty wild. Like, what is it's like? Bonus on black holes. So this is how to get out of a black hole. Yeah. Uh, bonus on crisis alert for spades, which is I think, was it like a mass shear? Uh,
1: yeah, something like that. Um. Yeah, I mean I think the thing with like the the finding ways to to recontext because there are certain bonuses that you need. Like right. if you're gonna have a hard lens, if you're gonna have a black hole, you know, you need that compass thing or whatever it is. But I like that we did um the sledge engine, I think. Do we end up calling it the sledge engine or so that is
0: in I think the high tech the sledge yeah, drive. Is. So this okay, yeah. So this is kind of crazy. So, like, the Gravity Engine, one of the things I love about this idea is that we, we're like, okay, Gravity Engine, it does some really simple stuff. But we had hit problems with Quest Crawl, and I think this has been called out a few times by, by people who play Quest Crawl quite a bit. Is like, if you don't have the compass, or you break your compass, and you don't have a suit, get fucked, kid, you're dead. <laughs> you're just gonna die in that wasteland. And, of course, we've house-ruled around that to, like, you know, the, the number comes down every round, or... What? like that hard mode for life
1: guys if you're out there playing quest crawl die in those hard lands that's how Atlantic. i died today
0: i died in a swamp I, yeah yeah swamp swampy uh hard lands walked in there had a compass broke it died uh lost to the swamp it was great um but the gravity engine in this case because we were like well it, it kind of happened like a little too frequently and it didn't really have i think a good solution exactly. like you don't get the bonus for your suit so like yeah. Just because you're suited like all of a sudden, the gravity wells became really problematic. With this, if it breaks, it kicks you out <laughs> in a direction, uh some number of like cards, basically.
1: Yeah, you can get lost in space.:
0: Yeah, you just get flung wildly into space when your gravity engine breaks. I just love that fantasy that that the notion of that. Um, we got the photonic cannons, the nuclear torpedoes. Armored hull, magnetic tractor, so tractor beam, hollow amenities, which I love that that's one of our uh, core, gotta you know. Have it. Gotta have it. Um, I
1: really wanted to do a whole, I'm not even sure, I, I don't think it made it into the final rules, but there was at one point a thing where if your holodeck, your hollow amenities broke, you had to roll on the adventure table to have a holodeck episode. Like, it was like, don't, don't let your holodeck malfunction or you'll get fucking... You know you'll have to deal with barkley or whatever hold on hold
0: on bonus on friendly alien world crew challenges if this tech breaks play a holographic away mission treat this as a uh adventure away mission set entirely with hollow amenity program gain no tech supplies or ore from successes uh in plan and execution and skip the debriefing entirely someone outside hollow amenities finally shuts the homicidal program (laughs) off Um, yeah so yeah you kind of get you get so much access to so many different cool moments of fiction in this um and then of course with the decoy like we talked about in escape pods which you know foregone conclusion that you would have those um but again that's just the basic tech that's the stuff you can roll out of the ship you can roll out of the shipyard with and then oh. we've got the high tech and i love how each one of these is super flavorable too but in a way that I don't think is is expected. Like cloaking device, okay, sure. From from a Star Trek perspective, Romulans and, and Klingons had it, Federation didn't for a long time. Matter Replicator, that's a Federation tech, right? So uh spatial compressor uh is interesting, but it's kind of like almost like you think about like a Borg tech, right? Where it's like,
1: oh yeah, we just pack we can just pack all this crap into the space and it's fine. Like yeah. I mean, I'm gonna reveal myself as a lover of probably literally the worst movie of the two thousands. You ever see seen Ultraviolet? Oh yeah, yeah. It is beyond bad. It's so terrible. And I I convinced a busload of people to see it with me. So but hold I'm on, Mia,
0: Mia me Mia Jovovich,
1: ultraviolet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not a the, bad the movie. Hammer... Oh, you should rewatch it, my friend. It is insanely I... awful. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, but uh, but I do I love it. I, it's one of my. It's you know a guilty pleasure movie for sure. And I just love that when they pull that stuff out of Hammer Space, that kind of like spatial compression tech, I think is so cool and just fun to imagine. And you know it can lead to great fiction, and I think it's great. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um. And uh, okay. And then so and then we've got the Sledge Drive. Now this one I think was when you, when you first rolled this out, I was like, what the f- is going on here? Like, this is crazy. And the idea here is that you can... You get a bonus on shattered sectors, which means if a, if a sector has been destroyed and you're basically flying through a debris field, you're, you're going to do a little bit better. Um, yeah. But That's once per wild. turn, I'm- before you can move, you can take damage to your ship to move the ship's current sector into an adjacent empty space. You can literally
1: move space. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. What does this mean? Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I just like, what is it called? The uh, Abramovich drive. It's one of those hypothetical FTL engines that like they say, it's like you take a pocket of space and then you move that pocket of space faster than light. So nothing, no mass has to break the light speed barrier. Right. And I think that's just such a cool idea. And I really like the idea of just transporting a whole... I think it, it's not just star systems in this game. It's like, uh, you know, clusters of star systems in each of these sectors, I think. Wait, we've just, been yeah, pretty right?
0: ambiguous about it. Yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a little loose, but, like, that's my headcanon. I, I just love the idea that you can, like, bump around these things. And for certain endgames, like the Crystal Entity end game, you have to. Uh, you, like, you have to kind of use that sledge drive to construct little hallways that you can like force it into and like, and then break it
0: away from connected reality.
1: Set it off in its own little pocket dimension. Yeah. Um, So cool. But yeah, I mean like when we started playing quest crawl originally, like my favorite thing in quest crawl probably is the twisting pyramid uh, where you can rotate the cards around the twisting pyramid to change the landscape, which I love. Uh, But it's a little hard to justify in in a fantasy setting. Like uh, At one point, we were working on a four elements version of Quest Crawl, you'll recall, and there was like an Earth artifact that was kind of like an early version of the Sledge Drive, and I really, really liked that. But when we started Warp Crawl and we knew we had a little bit extra space, I really wanted to commit to finding as many ways as possible to let the players alter the map, because I think that's one of the things in this game or in these games that really excites me is i love i love that feeling of you are changing the world right like totally. you're changing the game environment. totally um,
0: i agree yeah. So we, yeah sludge drive was a good yeah sludge drive was a good solution for that uh, and then so and then the other two are the empathy enhancer which i uh, think you get from the World Mind?
1: Right? yeah i think so
0: uh, and then the gate maker drive which is again yeah. one of my favorites. Although I, I guess it's it's really it's it's very much similar to, but adjacent to what the dwarves offer. Yeah,
1: um, the mountain passport in Quest Crawl.
0: Yeah. Anyway. And, oh, and, and then there's special tech. So I guess this would be like the artifacts in Quest Crawl. And in uh, in Warp Crawl, there's only two artifacts: the Terraformer and Returning <laughs> from Questcrawl. The orb of chaos. Yeah, uh, I love that. Book. <laughs> which I think is such a funny thing. Like, I don't know that I, I. Like, how many times in during playtest? How many times do you think the orb of chaos got used? Once. Once. One single time. One single yeah. time. And and how did it go?
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and in fact, it was a quest crawl playtest. It wasn't even a war crawl playtest. Yeah. Uh, you know, it. I think it was kind of. It's one of those things of, like, it's, it's chaotic, you know? It basically sets you back to square one in a lot of ways. It's kind of, you know, I, I like the idea of giving one player the option to really fuck things up for everybody else. I like, you know, the, the kind of, like, the big glowing red, don't-press-this-button kind of button, I yeah. feel like, is a lot of fun. And it, even if you never use the Orb of Chaos, just knowing that it's there, I feel like, is kind of its own little treat. Yeah. Um, I know when we play, like, uh, Jack, uh, who plays in our Pixels and Pagans game, uh, is, is a pathological button pusher. Like, you know, if you if you put something <laughs> in front of him, it's like, don't fuck with it, don't don't do it. They're gonna be like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so Jack. That's 100 percent true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I like I like that we got to include something like that in this game. And yeah, probably most groups. Most groups are going to look at it get excited and then realize that using it will fuck them up so bad. But every once in a while, I hope some like, you know, 11 year old punk is going to play this game, realize that they're about to win and the game's going to be over and be like, you know what? I'll blow the whole thing up.
0: (laughs) But I mean, all it means is you start over again, but you have the stuff that you have. So you're actually, and theoretically, like realistically, that's kind of the only way to do certain things in, I know at least in quest crawl. Like if you want to have the tunnel passport, And the uh, ancient knowledge.
1: Ah. The only way to
0: do that is to reset the world and then go back through and pick the other faction, right? Interesting. Yeah, there's some some completionist crap
1: (laughs) that I've definitely nerded out about. Um, You know, this is kind of not really relevant to what we're talking about right now, but just like one of the things I really like about all of these games is I feel like as we've played them, like there's a learning curve on these games. And when you, when you start realizing how to beat them, it I like that little, like, you know, what do you call it? Once you said that little ding of like, now I understand the system is kind of, it's, you know, there's the the
0: epiphany, the epiphany of mastery is a big deal with these games. I feel like the, the first couple of times you play, you're likely to feel a little off footed, not really get like it's, there's kind of dangerous out there it's dangerous out there and there's record like tracking what's going on record keeping that is not again it's kind of hard it's not like uh you know you just roll the dice and and everything sorts itself out like when an encounter is done and it happens pretty fast you know you get you're gonna tick your little thing and do your little bip and then it's the end of the day and you're ticking your little thing it's not like in D and D where, you know, after an hour of combat, okay, now you guys rest for the night or whatever, take your resources. This is like really fast. Um, so the things get moving through and, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. The, the whole thing, but I think you're- once you, once you see the loop and the outer loop of, of making decision-making at that higher level where you're like, Oh, you know what? let's backtrack here to do a, a loop of resource gain so we can uh-huh. ensure we get the treasure to unlock this thing over here. And like you start kind of meta playing the meta of the game and understanding how the game works at a meta level. It's so satisfying Uh uh-huh. in that same way that like the first time you kind of understand like how to, you know, beat that, the, those certain bosses in Zelda or you know, it's like yeah. that kind of classic, like, video game with no instructions kind of feel.
1: I think uh, one of the things about it a little bit is, like, in in video games, sometimes when you unlock those little things, it can feel like you're cheesing the system a little bit, right? Or right. that you are you lose immersion. Like, the, the strategy pulls you out. One of the things I really like about this game is that the strategy pulls you in. Like, the more you start kind of really analyzing the terrain and thinking about where you're going and trying to make decisions as a group, you know, even if you're not doing character voices or wearing funny hats, you are role-playing, you are thinking in world and you're reacting on the logic of the world. And I, I think that's cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like, I remember, um, I think it was one of the first games that you played of Quest crawl when we were all kind of hanging out. And, uh, I was really excited to show you what I had gotten so far um and like we got into a conversation at one point where we were like oh like you know do we risk these beasties or like do we want to go talk to the dwarves or like you know and it occurred to me it was like you know if we were four fantasy adventurers sitting on a you know a, a hilly uh goodlands foraging and talking about our next move this is the exact fucking conversation our characters would be having there's no separation right between our strategy talk and how our players would be strategizing, how they're going to conquer this, you know, vast landscape.
0: Yeah. Or what, yeah, what their next move is. Do we go and ask the dwarfs for help? You know, I hear they have enchanted armor there. You know, it's like one of the cool things about it too, is like, because the rules are known to everyone, it's like there's, they're hyper transparent. So you could like, everybody can look at the map that's exposed and see what they want. Right, Uh but they have full access to the information that's in that map. So it's it's really kind of like if 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 my goal is to try and go, you know, hunt down that mega beast and get that weapon of legend for myself, like I can be the one pushing for us getting into the elves and getting that elven cloak and hightailing it down here. Whereas if somebody else is like, I just want that treasure. I want to go get that vault. You know, then their whole cycle is going to be about you know spinning down the greater evil and like doing this whole thing anyway. Crazy cool stuff. Uh but th- now there's additions. So Warp Crawl I think brought brings a lot to what Quest Crawl's foundations are. And one of the things that we added was orders, which I think if if I'm not mistaken and I don't want to put words in your mouth but like in a coming future iteration of Quest Crawl, this is almost analogous to what I would say is like side quests or quests. Yeah. Uh, Kind of above and beyond what the original quest, like original quest crawl, you just, your queen is your quest. You say what it is. And when it's done, it's done. I think the idea is that we're going to add side quests and that's kind of built off of the same, a simple, simple idea of like your home world wants you to go and do stuff like that. You're on a mission to go do stuff Yeah. and you roll for what that is. And uh, there's some pretty cool evocative stuff here. But like some of this stuff is pretty challenging. Like uh uh-huh. deep space, you gotta flip a sector, at least four spaces from the home world. So that's that kind of deep travel, you know, getting getting out there. Um yep. truce, remove a hostile token from an alien world. That's good. Uh Peace Summit, add a friendly token to an alien world. So actually take a neutral world too peaceful or too too friendly. Uh, discover a new world's unknown signal. You got asteroid minings. The first ones bring 40 ore home. uh, And then the hardest one, I think is technological leap. You bring a a high tech to the home world. And when you bring that high tech to the home world, it becomes, I think the scientists can load it on as a basic tech. You can offload it to them and then rebuy it back or reload it back on later, assuming that they don't break it. Right. So there's like a role. Yeah.
1: They have a chance to reverse engineer the alien technology or they could just fuck it up and then you're like ah you nerds you science guys like now we need to go find another civilization with, with yeah gotta, gotta go knock over some other unsuspecting <laughs> aliens <laughs> um yeah yeah I mean um I think it's interesting because like I mean obviously quest crawl came out in what like August Jesus Christ August 2022 is that all Seems like longer ago um, but even before that, uh, like you and I, I feel like the last two years almost I've really been on a hex crawl kick. Uh, I've been a little obsessed with hex crawls. We've, our lamentations game is a hex crawl. There's so much I'm working fun. Working on a Troika hex crawl right now. They're awesome. I love them. Uh, I don't want to play other kinds of D&D. I just, <laughs> just want my hexes. Uh, but um, Black Marshes. one actually. of the things. Uh, yeah, nice. One of the things I've really learned about exploration-based games is that you have to like whatever you find in a hex should send you out to another hex. And in D and D, I try and make it so that there's at least two adventure hooks in every dungeon. Uh, you know, often players will not find either one, uh, but that's fine because hopefully they found two in the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Every location you find should spit you back out towards another location. And I I really do think that that kind of like putting quest hooks in the game, spitting people back out from the town to go and do orders uh, or, you know, going and hitting, you know, the elves. And now you have to go kill the dwarves or finding the vault and realizing you need the key or you find the second town in quest crawl. You need to go beat up the uh, the pirate town, the town of thieves mm-hmm. in order to unlock the second town all that stuff I feel like is what it makes the game world feel alive. It keeps you moving. It makes the game dynamic and interesting. Um,
0: And I think you can, I think you do a lot of adding to that too, right? Like this is kind of the, the idea at the heart of the side quests that we want to do is like, you go to the elves and they don't just give you the quest to defeat the dwarves. They give you the quest to like, go pull the magic sword from the overgrown grove in the eight uh, Mm -hmm. forest. And you've got to go find the eight hardlands forest, get lost in there, the overgrown grove, and, like, pull that sword. But you wouldn't get that sword if you just went to the eight. Over, you know what I'm saying? Like, the idea that the, the the reward and the quest are bound up together and tell a story and go above and beyond. I really love that.
1: We've been talking a lot about doing the advanced quest crawl with, like, tarot cards or similar. And I do really like the idea. Like, at one point, I think we had the magician uh set up where it was like that's like the magic school and if you want to learn spells you go to this guy he sends you on a quest out to go do whatever and if you get back then you get a special you know you unlock a little spell or something one of which it's gotta be the sledge drive effect. We gotta get that Earth Mover effect into advanced quest crawl somehow. I think it's uh
0: oh yeah. For sure. For sure. And I think like I think the end the end result of this process of developing advanced quest crawl I'm I'm super looking forward to seeing what that basic items list looks like that that magic item list that artifact list because while the principles of the game are simple the ways to the ways that you come up with to manipulate them like the first time we rotated cards around the pyramid my mind Feels was cool. blown man it was so cool uh, and yeah like it's it's funny that like it's just a deck of cards it's it's relatively straightforward uh and yet somehow there's there's something to what we've done here that like you really it kind of opens up a whole world of imagination of what you can create uh in terms of rules and stuff and i remember having that feeling immediately like as soon as we started playing quest crawl i was like oh man it'd be so cool if this was like this and you could imagine doing this and this and like oh like um i just
1: I want to say, if you're sitting at home playing Quest Crawl, please, for the love of God, pop the hood, make some home rules. <laughs> it's so much fun to get greasy with, you know, like just... and Especially with Warp Crawl, because it is a more complex system. Like, you know, we did our best to provide, you know, a, a structure. Uh, but if, you know, there's there's room still. Like, if, if you get inspired and you decide you want to come up with, you know, bits for it... Uh, do
0: <laughs> and i think the, the one of the cool ideas that you just said it right is grab a grab a tarot deck if you don't if you if, if you want to go farther grab a tarot deck and add those extra what is it? it's like 30 cards you get right 26. from well it's 22 right 26 okay so 26 cards you get um yeah flop those in there and and start having some fun uh coming up with what these extra cards mean um
1: you know at the very least, I think we should release some rules for the knights. Uh, so we could, should just do that as a blog post, uh, and you know you can just use the minor arcana. But we had some really great. There was a, a chaos. They, they were the knights were champions, as I recall, in in the notes we had uh, brewing for advanced quest crawl. Mm-hmm. And like one of them was like a chaos beast, where it was like you would roll a die to find out how challenging the chaos beast was at any time. You know, one of them was like, uh, you know, a, a bridge troll or like, you know, um, yeah, that kind of stuff. I feel like making those little alterations to the world, I think, can be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I, I mean, if we're making blog post content, I think, you know, the the alternate for the elves, right, and making like making the spades, the orcs or making the hearts, you know, the, um, the religious faction, or, you know, just going nuts with, like, doing different... You could do completely different fantasy types and tropes within those kind of columned, you know, suit types and have a lot of fun. You could get really wild with it. Uh, One
1: of the things you said a lot about Quest Crawl was that you liked the idea of using it to build a campaign world for a more traditional TTRPG game. Yeah. And I feel like with Warp Crawl because you're making the log and stuff, if you if you want a good way to team world build a sci-fi setting, Warp Crawl's got you covered. Like
0: That's absolutely true. Actually, for sure. Yeah. I think the 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 most interesting part about that is that you would end up with like you'd end up with your warp cluster map. You've got a great like kind of selection of aliens that you define that you and your world builder party define. You've got a bunch of logs from all those interactions of how this one group of explorers kind of interacted with it um and then you the i think one of the cool one of the cool things that I really like about the way that you've approached these uh in general is that like those high level concepts like the factions largely they're they're kind of evergreen they basically work no matter what you're like okay the gate makers these are the people who support transportation around the galaxy around the warp cluster like they've got that tech they've got that shit unlocked and they're the ones you've got to go through if you want to go faster than you're currently capable of going and going to places you haven't you haven't been before um and the same is true of the the archdukes right the um what are they called the the war dukes of the ringed worlds because again mm. The weapons manufacturers, the, you know, these uh, these guys whose entire uh, thing is, you know, controlling the commerce and flow of weapons throughout. And like, that's, that doesn't, it doesn't have to be one faction. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't ha- even have to be one idea. Like, you could have a cl- a number of civilizations that are filling this role in your world, however you want to describe that. Um, but the idea that you have to interact with one of these to kind of get that working within the world, I think it's, again, it's kind of an uh, it's an evergreen idea. Same thing with the world mind, where you've got kind of a hive mind, you know, alien uh, archetype out there. And you might have, again, many of them. Um, uh, the unearth Evil, of course, being our evergreen threat in the cosmos.
1: There's always um, something bad. It's <laughs> Something bad out there.
0: Well, and I like that it hasn't changed. You know, yeah. the fantasy medieval milieu is always at threat from the unearthed evil. And you go as far into the future as you want, and that unearthed evil is still there, yeah. uh, threatening to. Yeah, to, to, yeah the yeah, black.
1: Yeah, catch <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think it's just. Uh, I really like that we got to do those little, like quotes in warp crawl those little snippets of like world building fantasy stuff i always love stuff like that um but like to keep it i just like i wanted it to be specific enough to like give a vibe but also like if you want this to be you know star trek the game like it doesn't you know you could i, I trust you to figure that out <laughs> like you know like, yep it's not going to take, or if you want it to be The Expanse, you know, like, uh, what, what is it called? The protomolecule? Is that what they call it in The Expanse? The little, would make an amazing d uh d villain, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, well, yeah, it, yeah, that's, uh, it is called The Protomolecule. Although, I ironically, I think The Protomolecule is kind of like a, it's not even like a, it's not like an, it's not like an intelligence kind of a leftover like an artifact that is like looking for its intelligence it's like where are the people who made me um Mm -hmm. i'm loving watching that show because it's like it's you're very much in the dark as to what's what is actually happening but you're watching humans yeah Yeah. but you're just watching humans react poorly to things they don't understand and then fight over it and it's so uh, yeah just great it's great drama and storytelling for that reason alone i think what's Interesting about um, Warp Crawl is it has that same vibe. When you run into that Unearth Evil, you know, and you see the impact it's having on the Warp Cluster, because the Warp Cluster is affected by the position of the Unearth Evil. Same as in Quest Crawl. Like the you world begins to. Be induced... <laughs> Sorry, go yeah, ahead. You
1: might be induced to use your sledge drive or a twisting pyramid to move stuff away from the Unearth Evil to keep it safe. I...
0: Right. Or. You're going to end up at war with somebody because you're going to have to bring tact nukes. Like there's not, there's not a solution that doesn't involve you pissing off somebody. And I like that 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 faction play really has a as a heart in um in warp crawl. Um, now I I don't want to spend too much time uh, belaboring any other of the fine points of this amazing game that uh, you you brought to us and thank you uh, for writing you. it. Um, I, I did want right. to. I wanted to echo your thing, the fiction, the, the fiction chunks in here yeah. are some of my favorite writing. Hey, thank you. Uh, I want to read some, but what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to say, you know, like you, you and I have been at this as partners for a while now, and I think more than anything we've done, like, I think, I think I ended up being sole credited writer on this, but I think you and Alicia you know i think part of what made this thing great was that all of us came to the table with some really strong ideas about what science fiction should be and is and could be and uh you know this is definitely more than anything we've done i think this is all of our baby together like well that's uh,
0: that's for that's 100% true like even just by virtue of the fact of like alicia put blood, sweat, and tears into getting the layout for this to where it is, which in terms of our work, it's one of the strongest layouts we've ever done. I think it's one of the stronger in the, in the space. Uh, you know, yeah, just looking at the layout and the design and how everything comes together. Uh, the visual art, while I understand it's, you know, it's generated by mid journey, this was all very heavily, curated and created like i i worked my ass off to get these images great and we went over iteration after iteration to get them to you tell know, the story we wanted to tell
1: i feel like we're deep enough in this podcast Do you mind if i just talk about ai art for a second now that no nobody listening at this point i think is gonna object too much to hearing my opinions on this i know it's a contentious subject but like i i feel like we keep hearing people being like oh you know like ai art is theft AI is." Dude, property is theft, motherfucker. Like, it's, you know, like, intellectual property, intellectual theft. Like, I, you know, this technology allows small producers like us to compete uh, in terms of, like, graphical quality and layout quality. This book looks fucking better than anything Watsi's put out in years. Like, it's a nice-looking little book. I don't know it's about that. Good... No, I do, I, in terms of layout, I mean, I'll take this any day. I think it looks awesome. And, you know, the reason we could do it is because of this technology. And, yeah, we could have hired a guy and said, hey, you know, draw us a starship that looks a little, you know, Star Trek, a little Flash Gordon, but not too much of either so we don't get sued. Uh, Like, we could have done that. But that guy would have just looked at a bunch of reference images and collated them into, you know, a generic starship. So, you know, it's not like we're trying to communicate you know great intensity of feeling or artistic achievement this is illustration in a book and i think a fucking futuristic space computer did it that's so much the better you know like (laughs) i all the art is public domain in this book like that's fucking that's true um like yeah i and i understand you know like it sucks that we have to pay our rent and pay for food and you know, when will I be able to walk into a store and buy what I need with my good looks? And fuck, I get that, man. And I don't want to put anybody out of a job by using a computer to replace them. You know me, I'm a Luddite all the way. But like... Well, you were the also, first one
0: replaced, right? <laughs> yeah, well, Chet GPT took your job before it even existed. So.
1: <laughs> but like, I mean, you know, I I think that AI art is damaging in the context of capitalism. But if you just want to like make cool stuff and play fun games and show your friends neat ideas. You had AI art rocks. And, uh, you know, I think it's great.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think if, if you go across the, the landscape of people who are at the table, trying to provide an experience with their friends, they will across the board say, AI art is great. Top notch. It works for us. Mm-hmm. Let's use it. The problem is when you charge any money for a book, you get all, and it's it. honestly the people who are, again, trying to bring an experience to their table with their friends. They really don't care. It's the people who are also trying to create stuff, who are artists largely. They're offended by it, and I get it. It it makes sense. Uh, You know, again, there's some value to the idea that all the art in this is, go nuts, so you can reuse it. It's not, we don't copyright it, we don't own it we are very transparent about its use and where it came from. Um, but I think, you know, you said like we could have gone to an artist and, you know, hired him to do all this. And the reality is no, we couldn't have as, as, as small press independent publishers, there is not a single product we've made save quest crawl that has paid for itself just in terms of writing. Like, like, and yeah. quest crawl only paid for itself because we used AI art. Um, yeah. and yeah, in yeah.
1: Ping- I somebody to do one image for it. One single image for quest crawl would have put it in the red.
0: Well, I did. So, you know, I say it paid for itself. I did illustration for it. That was not paid. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I, I paid you the writer. I, I sadly underpaid you the writer. Yeah, I pay you more. Um, but I think we've got that sorted out now. Uh, but like, this is kind of the world that that is where we are, right? Is As an independent creator, if I want to create something and I want to be fair at all, then I'm going to go way into the red, And we and we did. We have, we are as a business, like way in the red to have created stuff that is, you know, I like to think compelling, fun, engaging, it's full of cool ideas, and this is across the board with all of our products. I think they're all... You know, I, you, what's weird is I show it to people and when they see it, they're like, wow, this is great. It's amazing. Why, how did you make this? Right? Um, this looks really high quality. This looks really professional. But making a high quality professional product does not mean you will have an audience. That's mm-hmm. not how the internet works. That's not how any of this works. Wattsy could shit on a stick and everybody would know how that smells. Yeah. But I cannot get 200 people to look At one of our products when it comes out, it's it's pulling teeth, um, and that's the world that the independent creator lives in right now. Yeah. So
1: I think it's really interesting because in a way we almost went in the wrong trajectory, right? Because like our early stuff, if you look at like, like I think Doom Desert has like almost two grand worth of art in it. Oh, it's
0: it's it's more than that. that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, don't don't let me don't let me count uh, pennies here, but like. There's a lot of fucking money in, in, you know, the illustrations for Doom Desert and Moon Elves and <laughs> Divisible Man. And then we went from that to kind of single illustrations for two-page dungeons, because that's what was affordable. And then when we kind of ran, I, you know, when that kind of ran out, we started doing AI art. And uh, maybe if we'd gone the other way, people would be like, wow, these guys are improving or whatever. But, like, I just, I don't understand how you're supposed to, like, like you say, like, you know, the our initial stuff we put out Was so high production quality, and uh, you know, really, there's. I don't think there's a way to to run a successful TTRPG business like that. I don't think it can be done. No, I think Uh, you're you're
0: right, and that's that's true. Like, so I think the thing is, is like you don't you can't. What we did was we tried to make high quality products out of the gate, and I did that because I wanted to know how to do that. I wanted to see if I could um and i knew that was going to cost me money <laughs> so i spent the money uh and that has resulted in having i've got some relationships with some people who can provide some great art i myself have become a better artist m- more uh, attuned to what i want out of art um and obviously it's you know it's fostered relationships with you as a writer and and other writers um but the thing is is like that first book there was never a chance that it was going to get a huge audience yeah, right of but the thing i never wanted to have happen was to have somebody come in now and go back and go uh this is you know like they just started getting this you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. i want them to go back and go like oh okay they made interesting decision interesting. whoa what are these gems in their past you know what are these cool idea books that are back here um and Doom yeah. Desert, Divisible Man, Moon Elves—all you know—fit that, uh, that idea. Where we, and the reality is, I want to go back through and redo those books. I want to come in, like, come in and do the layout again, get them ready for print, you know, bring I'd them to an audience okay. again. <laughs> What's that? You'd rewrite all. Of them. <laughs> well, and yeah. and I think the plan is we may well, right? Because I yeah. think part of this process has been finding our audience, and the reality is right now, if I look at the numbers. Is our audience a Five E adventure? No, we get better traction off of our Troika products. Period, um, because the Troika following, while it is small, is extremely loyal, and they're kind of underserved, and they, they get plenty of products, but they don't get like a, they don't get a you know garbage load of products coming out for free every day, which is I yeah. think the problem is you look at Five E. You don't have to.
1: Buy these
0: you don't have to buy anything. You can just go download everything for free. And is it going to be garbage? Yeah, but what do you care? Like you're getting free garbage. It's you know, like um, you don't have to pay for it. Congratulations! And I think that the thing is, is like no matter what, anyway, if you're going and you're looking into adventure modules, or you're looking into this third party content stuff, you're probably not going for the canon. You're not there for the lore right? You're there for the couple of nuggets of really clever ideas in there that you didn't think of yourself. That you're like, Oh, that's dope. I want Rockford, yeah. the cheese golem in my shit. Scrap the rest. Oh, the, the egg that tel- that you know, hatches the future. That's a hilariously yeah. clever idea. Um, the whispering harpies It's such a weird thing that the, the saltwater saloon and the, uh, the, you know, great, hateful, grateful, uh, you know, dead, Um, sugar skull mariachis like there's 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 so many cool ideas in just spread out throughout all the, the work that we've done and i think that was always kind of my intention right was like to create something and i was talking about horde of the north horde of the north wind with uh my friends shane and chelsea while i was down in um uh in seattle uh for for the halloween party and um and I was telling them about how it's a monastery, right? That a white dragon has come and wiped out and has made their horde in this monastery. But because they wiped out all the monks, the place is haunted with the spirits of these monks. And so you've got these, it, like, it's like, think of the ghosts as a faction. Think of the yetis that live in the glacier up front as a faction. Think of the kobolds and the, and the dragon as a faction. And they're all interacting, and the go- the monk ghosts will haunt and possess the yetis and the kobolds. And so, when the party interacts with any one of those regular factions, they might be interacting with a ghost. A ghost. That's
1: really cool. I like it's that a lot.
0: cool idea, and it's it, it like that's the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, okay, that's really clever. I'm that's going in. <laughs> that's what I want is for this opportunity for a standard yeti encounter to suddenly be not. A standard Yeti encounter. Same thing with the kobolds. And then at the heart of all that, I want, okay, well, what if, what if they actually go in and figure out and find the old religious texts of this monastery? Can I pull, you know, the domain of generosity cleric out of this adventure such that it's a, a player option? Because I think that's another thing you talk about, you know, having the world impacted by player actions. And one of the things that I I've always found cool, I really loved it in Dragonlance, was like the gods are coming back, right? Would the players kind of first find the fir- one of the first avatars of the gods, and that? But what if that happened in the other direction? What if it was just a lost faith, you know, that it was decimated a hundred years ago, and the party now stumbles upon this, you know, ruin where they found the ancient texts and the spirit of the high holy from from this you know faith and can now kind of start anew this whole new religious movement in in a region i just think that's such a cool tool to hand the players uh totally. as an option um yeah yeah, yeah. so i don't know not, not to get off too too far on a tangent there but you you get what i'm saying and like you know we just we released another book um this last week uh miss Quinn's strange sweets now we had been working on this for a couple of years now and uh I I had purchased the original text the writing for it from Miguel Gonzalez back in 2021 he he came like he came hot out of uh the DM Dave course and was like oh I'm gonna write this great adventure and and I read the the synopsis and I was like that sounds amazing why don't we work on it together you know, give me give me what you have, and so I, I paid him for the writing, and I hired Maya for the te- for the art, and we had a long long cycle on the art. She she went and did it. She came back. We didn't. We both were kind of unhappy with what we had gotten. She went and did it again. Came back again. Uh, got the art ultimately that I really wanted for it, which is this kind of saccharine sweet. It's it looks like a children's book. But it's a it's, it's a and It's so good. Um, you
1: can really see how much she's developed since Doom Desert in the Miss Quinn stuff. I feel like. Uh,
0: well, I I follow her all the time. She's a Emily Carr over in uh, yeah, in yeah. Vancouver here, and uh, her style has evolved. Her talent has evolved, but she's always got this kind of. She's got this nugget of herness that I see in all of her art, okay. and I just I I really like Doom Desert as it stands. I think it's. It's a piece complete in that, like, the art, it all touches that same stone. It matches in this really pristine way that's very Doom Desert. Whereas Miss Quinn's has its art and it all looks like it's cut from that same, you know, it's like, it's the same art. And she's got a really good way of doing that where she can, like, get the feel that she she knows I want to get and then hit all of that art on that same track so it doesn't feel like any of the art's disjoined very talented Maya, Maya Baboneel uh go check her out on uh she's on Instagram and uh you know you see a bunch of her art uh, like to share our her her
1: books whatever. artists have been Canadian almost all of them really
0: uh yeah, I think the only one who isn't is jeremy Jeremy yeah. Adams I think is
1: u s Jeremy Adams is also great uh, he is great but,
0: uh, yeah um, Canada <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, I did try, I, I was, uh, when I first started this, I was trying to, and I continue to try to make it an effort that can help bring Canadian publishers and producers into the marketplace. Now I gotta say this marketplace is a weird one <laughs> and I don't know how much longer anything will be around, but we're going to keep trying. Like, I don't think we have any reason to slow down or stop. And, uh, in fact, I'm I'm looking forward to us diving back into two pagers. Over the next sure. year, I'd really like to cram out another 12 two pagers. Uh and really I really want to get our catalog of work over to Troika and really start releasing some high quality high end books in the Troika space. I just started working with um a local printer that can do the embossed fabric Nice. hardcover yeah yeah they're really yeah the tasty stuff
1: yeah the tasty stuff yeah
0: yeah so i want to i want to go through the process for for that at least one book and and see if we can get that kick-started
1: do you mind if i take us off track here for a second i know we're like off track off track what? uh have you seen black knights luke gearing's new thing
0: black knights
1: yeah i think it's called black knights I'm it's not. like he, luke gearing did it with some other guy it's just the two of them. Um, it's like, geez, what even is it? It's like D6 backgrounds of these silly little night weirdos and like some quest hooks and some items. And it's just like, it's just a little, just a little snack package, you know? Like it's just a little 16 page snack pack of funny little Troika drawings some funny little Troika ideas. And boy, I just like, it just, it's one of those things you see and you're like, ah, I, I, I want to do that. Like, you know, like yeah. I want to,
0: um yeah these guys man yeah it's uh it's a it's it's a problem i envy them they're so good they're so talented
1: um you know and i think like there's like i don't know there's some stuff that like like acid death fantasy uh also luke gearing like is really really fantastic in a lot of ways hard to get traction on and some others like i think if they had included a starter adventure it would have been a much stronger book uh but like just in terms of like the uh that kind of like imaginative whimsy that like psychedelic pratchett shit like i don't know like uh douglas adams on acid kind of stuff like uh you know like he like he fucking nails it he's got a good the art's always good like i like his stuff a lot
0: yeah i mean i think i'm not gonna lie i have a feeling that a lot of the value in those, like, don't get me wrong. I think Gearing is, is awesome. His writing is amazing, but a lot of it is carried very heavily by the art, like in terms of the vibe that you're getting and the artists that they're able to work with, uh, or that they've been able to work with, like everybody from Daniel Sell most arts council through Luke Gearing and, and whoever's doing basically the guys creating all these zines and stuff. Like there's some cadre of artists who are like little zine weirdos that yeah. are fucking killing it. And yeah. I wish I had just an ounce of the talent that is in the pile of people uh, to put into our own books. And, and maybe I do, who knows? Like, I think at some level there needs to be like a, like we, we need to like sit down in a room and not, um, not work separately. Like so far, a lot of our work has been you write in a vacuum. I take what you've written and take it to art. You know, and we figure we work out art externally, come back, work it into layout. You know, refine, refine, edit, refine. Uh, you know, rewrites, rearts, rewrites, rearts. Okay, cool. Like ready for production. Let's go. Um, but I think if we if like coming from a zine perspective zine design perspective i think the right way to do that is to come to the table early together and go okay like here's our here's our page i'm thinking big page. monster over here let's talk about it like what are what's on this page you know yeah. let's, how are we going to present that in an, in an impactful way how are we going to tell that story visually and with the text and how's that going to work mm-hmm. together um and yeah, so I think that's, that's part of like a, a work process, workflow process that we've never really dove Mailed into. Down. I think we did a bunch of it when we did Quest Crawl, but that was because we kind of were, were again, super constrained. Right? It was yeah. just like it was and, a super tight loop.
1: Also, we were in the same city when Quest Crawl, we were making Quest Crawl, which I feel like has been an on-again, off-again uh, road bump for us. So I've been lost and... In- mexico and cold places uh quite frequently well
0: it hasn't hurt your writing so <laughs> well i don't know about that. Hey. i'm
1: gonna blow you away as soon as my life becomes stable again <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't you fucking dare because like every time an artist or a writer becomes stable it's like oh then they don't do anything ever again they just work their stupid day job and <laughs> yeah it could be all right. Well, I think we are uh, spinning up on an hour, and so I want to, uh, yeah, I want to thank you again for your time, Austin. Yeah, thank you. Of course, and um, thanks to our listeners. Uh, if you if this is your first time listening, I hope you'll check out all of our work on WatcherDM.com. You can find.
1: If our... You, you got to buy warp crawl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> In fact, if you made it this far. Go check the description of wherever you're watching it and see if there's a link to Warp Crawl on discount. So I'll give you a discount. How's that? Hey, hey. saving money. <laughs> Everybody's saving money. Um, but yeah, uh, go check out WatcherDM.com. You can also find us on DriveThruRPG or Itch.io. And if you would like to support us in creating products like this and our other adventure products, uh, you can do so by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash watcher dm look for the purple eyeball uh soon to come on business cards everywhere i don't know Um, (laughs) and uh yeah i hope we will see you soon and otherwise i think we'll just say what we always say stay weird
1: stay weird